0: Of curiosities podcast, my name is Sim O'Grady. Joining me today is
1: Danny Steinmetz and Vincent Cursaro. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude, that's so nice!
2: Business <laughs> Vinny,
1: it's Vinny,
0: no. Vincent.
1: I'm, I'm Mr. Cursaro.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah you're Mr. Big Old Mr. C, Big Old Mr. C. You're a teacher now, that. it's
1: kind of crazy
2: can't wait until your kids find out about this and make fun of you for it <laughs> no,
0: <I'm not> <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> i sincerely hope
1: now there are parts of my life the kids will never know what are you gonna do mr crusaro complain about me on your podcast i will <laughs> straight up i'll tell him i will
0: yeah, do, just dox them.
1: don't get D- doxed do you say dachshund like the dog D- <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah do dachshund you dachshund do not like a want to dachshund they are rowdy yeah i've
0: heard that (laughs) those
1: are wiener dogs right yeah
0: Mm -hmm. they are there are weirdly some of the bounciest yippiest uh things i've had the pleasure and displeasure of having to take care of before anytime
2: i'm doing a plank and feel bad about myself i just think about dachshunds having to do it their whole life
0: (laughs) exactly but at any rate this is what are we talking about today (laughs) <laughs> this is the fourth episode of the Creative Curiosities Podcast, and my choice for this album that we are discussing today is Dark Night of the Soul by Sparkle Horse, Danger Mouse, and presented by David Lynch.
1: Yeah, I mean, the David Lynch thing was so interesting. Like, yeah, this one... I'm going to jump in real quick just because the most <laughs> fascinating thing for me was the picture book that he, or the pictures, the 48, like... I thought it was a
0: 100-picture book.
1: It was like, mm-hmm. I know it was 48 pages,
0: so there's probably more than... Oh, 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 so 48 pages, but it's... Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, the whole the whole backstory behind this uh, record is quite fascinating. It is the first and only collaborative effort between Sparkle Horse and Danger Mouse. Uh, b- between them and a number of other kind of big-name artists in the indie-rock, indie-folk, indie-pop world. Uh, Yet it was made, or I should say, uh, kind of ready to be produced in 2009, but due to uh, a rather unclear legal dispute with EMI, uh, the album was postponed until 2010 uh but it leaked in 2009 and Danger Mouse's solution to that was it was going to be accompanied by this uh book of photographs by David Lynch that had a blank CD with it and the uh paired with that there was a sign that read for legal reasons this CD contains no music use it as you will
2: i wonder what he was
0: implying there <laughs> Difficult to tell, but I, <laughs> I, I have guesses. I have my suge- my ideas. He probably wants people to use it as a frisbee, but I've tried that. CDs don't work well as frisbees. They're very
1: sharp if you throw them hard enough.
0: Yeah, if if you carve them down, they could potentially work as a shuriken. Ooh, as as one should. As as I ought to, you know.
1: That is really interesting, though, that it was packaged like that and had that language around it.
0: Mm-hmm. D- having to like like sidewind around whatever whatever the fuck EMI was like, for, for I have no idea and I don't think we'll ever really get a clear cut answer as to why EMI uh postponed the release of it for, for I mean it said all I saw online uh, from Wikipedia was like EMI said like uh, we feel the need to reserve our rights I think there was just sort of a legal battle between like uh, Danger Mouse was I think torn between EMI and Lex records at the time. And they were sort of like a pissing match between those two record labels, but I could be wrong.
2: Nah, that's still- kind of how I, it seemed to me like there was a, a battle between these two record labels and danger mouse was like, fuck this. I have a bunch of really cool songs. I want to play all of these really cool
0: songs. Stop. And stop getting, because, stop getting in the way of like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is always the shitty thing about like, The the old way of doing things with big name record labels kind of getting in the way of the artist's creativity and their desire to share their work with their fans, getting in the way for it for the sake of some some unclear financial legal gain of which...
1: It's almost as if uh, putting profits over personal enjoyment and artistic integrity is perhaps not the strongest model that a record label or that the world uh, current culture could probably emulate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. Welcome to the music industry, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So a while back, not even a while back, a year ago, a year ago in our in a uh, the year of our Lord 2020, the the year of the great plague. Uh, to keep myself from getting too bored, I started up a a blog about a year ago where I was trying to just keep myself from being bored during COVID to talk about albums I liked uh, and just write out long form. And I'd always wanted to talk about this record, but I never found exactly how I wanted to talk about it. I never found quite the right language or quite the right angle to approach it. Uh, and by the time I think I did By the time I had something finalized, uh, that was when the Black Lives Matter protests uh, were happening and I felt like it would be uh, in poor taste to try to like promote whatever my shit was around that period of time because I felt like, okay, there's something a little more important happening in the world right now.
1: Yeah, that uh, that seems pretty correct.
0: Yeah. So I decided like, okay, I'm going to nix this. And then I just forgot about it for a while. But ever since starting up this podcast, I think I kind of got back to thinking about this record because this record really, to me, is a great testament to the beauty of collaborative songwriting. uh, I mean,
1: yeah, talk about collaboration, man. Literally every single song is by a different person. Oh yeah, it's almost like gorilla style. Yeah,
0: (laughs) gorilla style, like just bringing in a whole new like new artists on every fucking track.
1: But it like still sounds like that wasn't the case. I had a hard time distinguishing sometimes. Like it sounded like the same singer sometimes. It was really interesting how they did that. It might. I I really thought
2: for this one, like it's a like masterclass in like a feature album like this where just every song is featuring someone because there is a consistency throughout it that like yeah. Vinny, I think you were mentioning. But also like I think if you said, if you showed me this whole album and I was blindfolded and I didn't know the like didn't know any of these artists. Um like I know Insane Lullaby with James Mercer of The Shins. Mm. Like that is Exactly what I would expect with a Shins album on here, or like Julian Casablancas of the Strokes. Like that song
0: sounds like the Strokes, but it also fits so well in the album. I would say, yeah, to a degree, but I mean the the production on hand from Danger Mouse and Sparkle Horse definitely takes it into a uh into a creepier, eerier place for, for sure definitely for a for the shins and for the just for every artist on here every song while certainly representative of that artist's work and what they are known for doing the vision that mark linkus and brian burton had with this record still kind of shows their imprint is clear on every song i feel like
1: absolutely i mean you, you there's that incredibly consistent through line I also think one of the things that brought me way more pleasure in humor than I thought probably
0: should, yeah, was the
1: fact that yeah, Sparkle Horse was helped
0: Right, Sparkle Horse. Yeah, yeah, Sparkle or Mark I don't know why I said
1: that, and then for some reason I got scared that was wrong, but I know that it isn't. It's but a, uh, yeah, one of the things that brought me a lot of pleasure is that the whole album was sparkly. There was this <laughs> through like static sparkle <laughs> noise that would continue throughout the like. Pretty much the entire album. You know what I'm talking about? See, Vinny, I'd have to, I'd have to disagree. It felt way more
0: horsey to me.
1: <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but no, I'm not crazy, right? You guys heard the sparkles. No, no, no. The yeah, I, the kind of like white
0: noise or yeah, or white anger, noise. Uh, what, 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 Like almost like a vinyl filter over some of the songs.
1: I'm gonna say sparkly. Fuck y'all.
0: <laughs> Sparkle, Sparkle Town. Uh,
1: I mean, yeah, the production was just so consistent. Like, I, I was not expecting an album with this many featured
0: artists to, like, sound as coherent together as it did. Yeah, it's very... The thing I love about the production on this is there is a richness and a great creativity to it. I love being able to come back to records with this much kind of shit going on in all of the songs and like being able to come back and notice new new instruments or new pieces or new parts of the palette that I hadn't picked up on on a first listen. Like even today, I was kind of like listening back to it. And uh, I think during Little Girl and during the song Jacob, I noticed some bits as like, oh, wow, I haven't, I don't remember hearing that bit, but like that's obviously always been there. That's one of my absolute favorite things about about delving into production with an album. I love being able to come back and notice new shit.
1: And that can also make songs really grow on
0: you. Like I
1: I mean, I listened to this about four or five times this week and every single time I listened to this album, I liked it more. Cause you would catch those things. Like Jacob was great. There were some really subtle vocal effects that I really enjoyed. Another thing I really liked that listening to it again was great. It took me till listen number two when I was really paying attention, how they had two different mixes of the last song on the same album.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the uh, with David Lynch ending.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then there's the one I love that the one was song. Sparkle Horses mix. So the other one seemed like it wasn't just as much sparkle horses, but they included a sparkle horse like mix, the very last one. Mm-hmm, Remember the mm-hmm. first time I listened to it. I skipped it because I was like, "Oh, it's repeating the same song." And the second it's time not, I listened through again, and I was like, "Oh, that it is on on purpose."
0: Yeah, it, but in a way, that's like it, okay. It's not quite the exact same song. It's subtly the, different. It's showing it's not the
1: subtle, but just slightly different.
0: Yeah, the kind of again that beauty of like showing the it, it really kind of put into perspective for me what. Uh, Danger Mouse's contribution to this album was Mm -hmm. because I don't know I came into this from the perspective of being a Sparkle Horse fan first uh and just to bring this up I I don't know to bring up the sad side of this record uh to the forefront this was the final album that Mark Linkus uh worked on because sadly in 2010 Mm -hmm. Mark Linkus uh committed suicide so this
1: I'm gonna add another sad thing hmm? Did you know that one of the guest vocalists, Vic, Vic Chestnut, Chestnut
0: also, he also mm-hmm. committed suicide. So this out, al- I, I have the record on vinyl and it says, it, you know, says, you know, dedicated to the memory of Vic Chestnut and Mark Linkus as, yeah. as well, it should be. It's a remarkably somber indie rock album. I mean, most sparkle horse albums are kind of melancholic, but this one really brings forth the, th- this weird visceral, Gloom to it.
1: Yeah. The way I, the way, one of the, one of the ways I contextualize albums is I try and think of what it sounds like with a, like, kind of a humorous way. Sure. But the way I would describe this is it really, really sounded like a flaming lips album if they were deep in an alcoholic binge and realized they were fucked up.
0: That, that's fair. There's a lot of themes of, I noticed a lot of themes of, say, addiction or self-sabotage or
1: sure and it can be really fucked up and sad but like i know for me just sonically that's what it every song sounded to me like except for a few like the one um what was it it was the one where the pixie singer was on
0: it oh frank black yeah
1: yeah pick angel harp or something
0: yeah that that was was probably my least favorite yeah that one kind of yeah i agree I
1: was well, other not, than that, like, every other song could have been a Flaming Lips song and with different singers, and I would have been like, "All right,
0: sure, yeah." Which I th- I think that's accurate to a certain degree. Uh, I mean, right from the fact that like the Flaming Lips start off the album with revenge. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, point. The, I think we we said like, oh, each, even though it is a different collaborator each time, it does it fit into this sonic identity that uh, Sparkle Horse and Danger Mouse created for it uh that said the flaming lip song it really does sound like it could it's a dead ringer for something that would have been off of that would have come straight off of like yoshimi battles the pink robots or the soft bulletin Whoa, it would perfectly... yep. i was thinking of a
1: soft bulletin pretty pretty hard your voice in here son i think what you're saying about
2: the sonic identity like I think if I, cause the concept of a producer for a lot of people is, is pretty abstract or hard to really understand. Like it's really easy to describe, okay, this is the songwriter or this is the instrumentalist, mm-hmm. but even like audio engineer, that's easy to explain, but the importance of a producer, I think if I had to explain it to someone, I would just have them
0: sit and listen to this album i agree or i would say even just most danger mouse albums to begin with oh yeah i remember him saying he had uh a philosophy about producing in the same way that a director might have for making movies like wanting to direct movies in a way that you still have your own identity to it even if it's written by somebody else in, in the way that you, like, say, you know, you know, a Martin Scorsese movie when you see one, or you know, a Woody Allen movie when you see one, or, you know, like, dangerous David
1: Lynch, I know you want to say David Lynch so like bad. Da-
0: like, okay, full disclosure, David Lynch is probably my favorite filmmaker. And Oh, I never that- knew that. <laughs> and <laughs> before maybe, before any other person, my attraction to this record came from the fact that David Lynch was on it Uh, because there was a period of time I think just when a year maybe after this record came out or just when it came out I was getting super super into David Lynch Uh, and to this day still am and I was like oh I gotta when I hyper fixate on something it's like oh I gotta find out everything this person's ever done and I got to deep dive to learn about them and I saw this record, but then I saw like a bunch of other names. It's like, wait a minute, Flaming Lips is on this too? Wait, Sparkle Horse? Wait, what's Frank Black doing on here? Uh, And it caught my eye a little bit. I didn't really give the album uh, the full listen it really deserved at the time, but my interest was definitely peaked. And I think only after, sadly, only after I finished high school in like 2014 did I actually go back and listen to it and was certainly wooed uh and won over by it i like david lynch is what i'm trying to say
2: <laughs> i was i was pretty pleasantly surprised i liked his his voice on star eyes and yeah, um, that was him
1: singing right yeah. yeah that was fucking crazy yeah because <laughs> he's thing. got
2: he's got vocals on that song and he plays guitar and um guitar? like synth that- and makes sound effects
0: like hundred percent yeah that's i actually have i own uh because of fucking course i do i own uh two of the record solo records david lynch came out with i think shortly after this one came out uh crazy clown time and oh what's the name of the second one it's called the big something i gotta great this is gonna drive me up the wall i gotta find that <laughs> what the yeah
1: did, did he write some of these songs as well
0: the Big Dream is the name of the second one. You know what, that's the thing about that was what really kind of boggled my mind whenever I would try to look into the songwriting aspect of this because obviously with Sparkle, Ho- uh, Sparkle House Sparkle Horse and Danger dangerous. Mouse being given top billing, like my first thought is like, oh, well these were these must have been songs that were written by uh by Brian Burton and Mark Linkus but every song like really every artist on each song uh, had a great deal of input themselves on what on the direction of the song so it re- again that collaboration aspect of like okay well obviously the Julian Casablancas song Julian Casablancas wrote the lyrics for that and came up with the vocal melody but then like some songs were were written by Mark Linkes and Brian Burton, and they had a singer come in to kind of act the part out for them in a way or uh, they would come up with the songs in tandem with the artists so, like that Flaming Lip song at the beginning. Again, very much sounds like a Flaming Lip song. And I, if you didn't know Sparkle Horse and Danger Mouse were a part of it, you would you wouldn't uh, ever think that.
2: Yeah, I feel like this this whole album was like Danger Mouse and Sparkle Horse looking at each other and we're like, yeah, let's do this. Do you want to sing? No, I don't want to sing. Do you want to sing? Nah. And then <laughs> both really of them just being unbelievably connected and having worked with damn near everyone in the music industry and being like, bit, we, can, oh, we can get some of our
1: friends. There's yeah, some there's networking a of being going on, Super definitely. prolific producers. Mm-hmm. Like, oh shit, let me reach out to all of the famous people I helped produce and use my connections. Like, geez.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure, like, I'm sure part of it, because I know Flaming Lips worked with uh, Mark Linkus before. They covered a Daniel Johnston song, which I'm going to have more to say about Daniel Johnston in a second, but. Daniel Johnston! Love him! Same. Dude, can I be on. So, the thing I found, this was kind of an epiphany moment for me. was I was looking up interviews to learn about Mark Linkus's inspirations. And he said that his favorite songwriter was Daniel Johnston. And it was such an epiphany moment of like, oh, of fucking course, he's a Daniel Johnston fan. Of course, he's a Daniel Johnston fan. That makes so much sense. Like every song on here, you can totally feel Daniel Johnston's energy pumped into just about every song I feel, except for the Frank Black one.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think, what was that one? Daniel Johnson has a song that honestly makes me cry every single time I listen to it. Same, it's, but um, it, may be,
0: it may be a different song.
1: It's the, I've got you, it's the one who's talking about the picture. What was it?
0: My, the I one mean, that, oh, I mean, I don't know, Daniel Johnston will always have at least one song for you that'll probably like get you a little misty eyed. For me, yeah, well. it's uh, Some Things Last a Long, to- long Time. That, that's that, the one. That's, one. that's the one. That's the one. Some Things Last a Long Time. Yeah, that uh, one.
1: What a hauntingly beautiful song. Oh,
2: I like to smile at a song. True Love Will Find You in the End. That oh, one's he, just a pleasant one. He knows <laughs> he how to make you smile, too. I
1: know you will. Ooh, hoo, hoo. <laughs> Daniel Johnson podcast. Fuck it.
0: <laughs> all right, yeah, we're pivoting. It's all, all Daniel Johnston all the time. Welcome to the, the to the Daniel of Johnstonocities podcast. This Dan I'm Daniel, Larry,
1: you better Johnston down your Dan. <laughs> um. Okay, really quick, guys. Mm-hmm. Two things. First, we should probably talk about the album. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> also, thing number two, which is not about the album at <laughs> all. Did you know that garbanzo beans are chickpeas? yeah same thing
0: what the i think fuck? i i read up something about that because again that shit shows up in twin peaks
1: i feel like that Wait. jesus david lynch i feel like that should be bigger <laughs> news
2: <laughs> all right here's here's my transition back to the yeah, album let's get back on top no, garbanzo beans garbanzo. they're beans beans make you fart another name for farting is to pop iggy pop
0: Wait, why hey, <laughs> No one says I've that. I have never heard that term yeah, for farting. Come on, just remove it. It's a thing. Off. It's a thing. Okay, I'm going to call him Iggy Fart from now on. Thank you. Yeah, Iggy Pop, though. I did like the song. It definitely felt like an Iggy Pop song to a certain degree, uh, just with slightly cleaner production. Yeah, I like that one. And I
2: don't know why, but the line, pretty creepy, pretty funny. I'm a god, or I'm a mix
0: of god and monkey. Maybe oh, yeah, that, it tickled my fancies. That that's a very Iggy pop ish line. Actually, to a certain degree, it's a bit more more of a Frank Black line than anything off of the Frank Black song. But I did like the Iggy Pop tune quite a bit. Uh my favorites, of course, were I really love the flaming lips tune. The second one, Just War, by Gruff Reese of Super Furry Animals. I actually really like that. It's a really soft sweet pleasant indie pop tune uh a lot of it and this kind of applies to a lot of the poppier shit you hear off of this album but i really got a super strong uh beatles vibe from it like beatles from magical mystery tour era beatles yeah
2: i loved i loved the little intro of it that and i think that i feel like that aligns with the, the magical mystery tour kind of you know, deceptive intros that turn into something else. A hundred percent.
0: Well, I love the, one of my favorite things about it is like the transition. You hear like traffic going, but like you hear a car horn honking, but then once the song uh, properly begins in the background, you can hear the sample of like this car horn honking, this, eh, 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 eh. like you hear that in the background, like way in the background, but it's, uh, Tuned and pitched up to match the chord progression, so like or something along that line. I my Pretty pitch cool. is not mm-hmm. at all similar, but if you pay <laughs> attention in the background, it's there. Yeah, they
1: I think a lot th- of cool. Oh, you go, Danny. I'm sorry. This song
2: also does one of my favorite things in music, where like the music and the melody is in direct contrast, in in juxtaposition to the lyrics, like. Mm. It's a very sad, like the last survivor crawling through the dust. There is just war, and like mm-hmm. it's all like it's pretty dark lyrics. My head returned into the noose. Yeah, but it's like musically like fun and like sounds
0: happy, which yeah. I there's a weird love melancholy song and a weird piece to it that I quite like mm-hmm. that does contrast very nicely with the you know like you said the very. Fucking bleak lyrics sort of lyrics that i assume are about trying to talk about like how how the hell does one justify a war like even if it is for the greater good like there there is inevitably going to be innocence caught in the crossfire who innocence caught in the crossfire whose lives will be irreparably damaged
2: yeah no i i think it's definitely just like they're exploring the concept of just war and basically agreeing with exactly what you
0: say. Like, there's always going to be someone dying, like war suck. Someone's Pretty. life will be ruined from it no matter how, how you try to, how you mm-hmm. try to, I don't know, it, not excuse, but you, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. I, I should know how to say this better than I am, but... Usually, I don't know, if, if I'm writing a blog, I can just look at a thesaurus and be like, oh, that's a better word for that, but this is live and in the moment. We're doing this live, people. We're doing it live. Fuck it. Uh, that way you can hear me be a fucking idiot and not know what I'm saying. What was the, what, the other song, Jacob, by Jason Lytle, of Granddaddy Daddy fan. Jacob. Jacob. It's time for you to wake up. That's a. Uh, I really love that song. That that to me is also a total. Uh, like when I say Daniel Johnston, that one, Daniel Johnston could have covered that. That would sound like a Daniel Johnston song to me. Yeah. Especially, it's it's a fun song.
2: Or like the the concept of the song is is endearing.
0: Yeah, of the just idea. like the everyday man dreaming of. Fame. of being bigger than he is i i the final lyric or yeah the final line of it uh definitely gets me in a way that like it's darkly humorous that in a way i don't know i i just think like aw but i say aw with a smile on my face it says like upon the podium you're famous and you're strong then the alarm goes off and you're a sad man in a song yeah they didn't have to be that
2: mean about it
0: <laughs> my I man know, Jake, it I just, was trying uh, his best come on now I love it. I love the, I love how kind of meta it gets at the end with that.
1: There are some good tunes in there. There's some really good tunes. I, uh, I liked this album more than I thought I, I would. My first listen, it was pretty good. My second listen, it was better. And then my third and fourth listens, I was just like straight up digging it. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Well,
0: like I- Jacob kicked ass. Um, that one, Little Girl or whatever. The Julian the Julian Casablanca's one. The kind, yeah, I like that one.
1: Guys. So much in there, man.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I have pretty much kind things to say about every song, save for the Frank Black one. I know we keep digging <laughs> into the Frank Black one. My f- reason for me not enjoying that it... That song
1: sucked. As- Fuck Angels <laughs> Heart.
0: <laughs> I think my reason, well, every other song is colorful and unique enough. And that one just felt very, na, 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 my angels shut it, up. It felt <laughs> like it, it was a really awkward way of trying to get, uh, get this kind of pristine pop production on an otherwise super generic grunge song.
1: Maybe, maybe Francis Black owed them money or they owed <laughs> Francis Black money.
0: Oh, but I love, I,
2: I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the Pixies, like very much yes, listen yeah. to them all the time.
0: Oh, the first four I, albums I, I've always loved. Yeah.
1: One of the first songs we ever played at a show together, Danny, was Where's My Mind.
0: Heck yeah. We played I've that at our very learn...
1: first show we ever played.
0: I've been oh, trying and kind of failing, incidentally, to learn Valoria. I love that tune quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Really
1: interesting songs on that album too. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, But I feel like they just didn't
2: take the right, the right stuff.
0: Yeah. mm -hmm. I I know. I wouldn't be opposed. I think it's a nice change up to have a little more of a hard rock tune on this record, but I feel like the direction they took, it didn't mesh well with the poppy, experimental production that Danger Mouse and Sparkle Horse were going in with with this record, it clashed uh, in a rather awkward way and made the song very forgettable for me.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like one of my favorite things about or one of the things I love about a lot of my favorite Pixie songs is they always have a part usually near the end where it feels like everything's about to fall apart and that it's all like the music is becoming dissonant, but there's it's still being held together by just a thread.
1: Mm.
2: And it feels like angels harp is just that all the way through. Like it's about to fall apart. It's about to sound really bad. And it's there's, it's definitely being held together, but it's like, you gotta,
0: you gotta start out a little bit calmer than that guys. Yeah. Well, I felt like it for, I feel like for one, it just really didn't go anywhere. Like it stayed in that, what you were saying, that, that area of like dissonance and slight pop underneath and, but just kept that going through the whole song. Like it began just about the same way it ended to me. Yeah. The the feeling I I got from it, it didn't, it didn't bring me anything emotionally whatsoever. Yeah. I feel like as far as the, like, what, what you said along the lines of
2: it felt pretty consistent the whole way through. I don't know. I'm trying to remember your exact wording, but I felt that was pretty consistent throughout. I think that's the one, like, I don't know if it's a bad thing, but the one thing I would say about this album is it felt like, I don't know if there were any songs that had more than three parts to it, which is something I love. Like, it felt very much that every song was verse-chorus, 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 oh, maybe yeah. a bridge thrown in there.
0: Yeah, I think this is definitely going to be a kind of experimental album that most people would get into because there is a there's a recognizable structure with every mm-hmm. song on here. There is a typical yeah. verse-chorus, verse-chorus-bridge structure with just about every tune on here. Maybe and it's like... One it's exception might weird. be the final track, Dark Night of the Soul, but I think that's just because it's David Lynch and David Lynch has his his methodology with writing lyrics or writing songs is they have a tendency to just kind of meander a lot.
1: It's for such a or for crazy worse. coincidence that David Lynch happens to be so Lynchian. <laughs> oh, you don't fucking
0: say. <laughs> yeah, What a weird coincidence. Anyway. Talking is, about David Lynch and Weird. Talking about David Lynch and Weird. Yeah, so the two songs he does on here, Star Eyes and Dark Night of the Soul, they re- are kind of, they, I don't know. I want to go over them chronologically almost, because, but I feel like they're perfect to talk about together because they're such perfect opposites of, et- of each other. They're absolutely night and day. Star Eyes is just this really pretty, if very off-kilter I I wouldn't call it a pop song it's just this almost almost ambient piece of music with him like doing this auto auto-tuned vocal just saying like one syllable words about this this girl with star eyes and like desiring her Apparently there's also a version on YouTube where uh, there's also like a string quartet uh, playing underneath. The version on the album doesn't have that, but on YouTube, I I don't know what the correlation is, but somewhere on YouTube cool. there's a version with a string quartet doing that. It's also really lovely. I'm a sucker for a good string quartet. Oh, no wonder you liked some of the songs off of this album because they they yeah. <laughs> incorporate strings very very well. They're kind of buried in the mix a bit, but like toward the end of certain songs, you can definitely hear strings popping in
2: yeah if there's if there's strings or if there's horns i'm in if there's strings and horns oh
0: baby whew. <laughs>
1: it's
0: game oh, over yeah game over <laughs> uh then the next song every time i'm with you by jason lytle uh i actually really love the sound and production off of that one that one in the final song really makes me think of this is weird and nerdy on my end, but it makes me think a lot of the, the first soundtrack of the first Silent Hill game.
1: Huh? Yeah, this, I know what you're talking about. Exactly. Actually.
0: Yeah. Those, the first game uh, okay. This is maybe I'll try to not make this tangential. The first game has weird, a weird raw production aspect to it. That makes the songs all that more charming to listen to it's somehow very very old yet very modern in a way if, like like watching i i would compare it to watching an experimental film from like the 60s or the 50s from from fucking france or Yugoslavia.
2: how many 50s experimental yugoslavian films have you watched sam
0: not a lot of Yugoslavian <laughs> ones, a lot of French ones, a okay. lot of French ones. A little bit
1: different, my friend. Quite different, oh. you're
0: right. Dude, the Slavs, whew. They're the directing guys. Weird. Is nuts, no, man. Fucking kidding. Ever I've been since watching the after
1: Milosevic. Whew.
0: Wait, crazy. who is that? I'm sorry.
1: Oh, man. I, for some reason, I know a lot about Yugoslavia and the Balkanization of Yugoslavia that happened after Milosevic and the NATO bombings. But,
0: like, <laughs> the cool... Uh, it's an anecdote that has nothing to do with anything, so never mind. <laughs> this is the anecdote. I don't know what the hell it is about this particular album that is making us go off on so many I mean, tangents. it makes sense because there's, like... 12 different singers 12 different collaborators and to and you can't really do that much justice talking about each and every one of them i kind of want to because i want to give credit where it is due to every artist uh because i don't know each every one of them really kind of impressed me very much and i i don't know eh, i don't know i don't know i say that every podcast i don't know but every one of them impressed me and i want to give a certain degree of credit where it is due to every one of them but there's no way we can really go into that much detail with every single one of them without this being like maybe two hours long
1: yeah Yeah. i mean
2: you just can't do that and we'll probably dive in like we'll talk about all of the bands that all the other people have been in like you know if we just get started on iggy pop too much
0: well, then this is We're just going to have to go pop. through the whole history. Like we already did. It's already we've gone on tangents about the Pixies and fucking Daniel Johnston at this point. So we, I don't know. I'll try to keep yeah, Daniel Johnston. isn't even on the album. Yeah. I, I just bring it up because like, it, like when I heard Mark Linka say that again, it was just like, dude, that makes so much fucking sense because, well, I also know he and flaming lips did, uh, did a cover of a Daniel Johnston song for a Daniel Johnston tribute album. But anyway, I'm going to try to uh, speed things up with these final songs. Uh, The song Daddy's Gone with Mark Linkus and Nina Persson of the Cardigans. I really like that one. It was also (laughs) nice to actually hear Mark Linkus finally sing a song on this record. Also interesting that they like. It says
2: it's featuring Mark Linkus. (laughs)
0: <laughs> here's here's a sparkle horse song featuring mark Linkus. Featuring mark Linkus. that's <laughs> like mf doom doing some sh- like here's yo this is an mf doom song featuring victor vaughn <laughs> it's literally the same fucking person <laughs> insert spider-man pointing <laughs> meme exactly exactly uh i quite like that one the one i liked even more though was man who played god by uh, modern folk rock queen, Suzanne Vega. I really, I don't know what it is. I loved her very soft vocals over top of that. Like like arguably the softest song on the album. It was such a, it, it was a weird like breather moment from the doom and gloom of everything.
2: Yeah, I really, that one was really pleasant. I also had that written down as, as one of my favorites.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it has this weird feeling of... The, it is weirdly melan, melancholic, but also hopeful. It makes me think of, like, watching a balloon with a smiley face, like, float and drift away from you on a bright, sunny day.
1: A, that's a really nice metaphor, Sam. Thank
0: you, I think.
1: Yes. I, 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 I no, I meant that. That was a nice metaphor. Thank you.
0: No, I I, I don't know what... To, it's weird to try to describe that in an abstract way, but... That's the feeling I get from that song. And it's weirdly pleasant. Final two songs, though, go straight into doom and gloom. Yeah. Uh, Grim Augury featuring Vic Chestnut, who he mentioned earlier, who had sadly committed suicide before the official release of this album. Uh, And I think this might be the darkest song on the album. There's a lot of really gruesome, grim imagery. The... I don't know the the tone of the production definitely takes a darker turn. I mean, they're like these like ominous bells tolling throughout. There's a weird it's a very slow song, but there's a weird cacophony to it. like it's almost a little bit dizzying, yeah, it's it's sad that is a dark song <laughs> all, talking about all how this man having a very creepy very lynchian dream Knock uh, and, <laughs> and waking from it and telling his significant other like hey i just want to tell you about this dream i had but please don't don't take it as some grim augury don't take it as like some some ugly message of who i am deep inside so
1: that brings me to an interesting point pretty organically i've been waiting for a moment to uh kind of bring this up mm-hmm. So the term Dark Night of the Soul. Yeah,
0: that should be brought up.
1: Do you know where that came from? Because I do. So, la Noch Oscura de la alma.
0: Yeah, by St. John of the Cross.
1: Yep, straight up. It's it, about having a spiritual crisis and a uni- union towards God. Basically, who the fuck am I and what am I doing?
0: Yeah, it is a sort of crisis of faith term yeah which kind of makes a lot of sense with a lot of these songs too oh 100 percent. i mean like if i wonder if that was intentional i'm willing to bet i've read some (laughs) on some places like the 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 whole album album. (laughs) the whole i've read on, on a lot of places that uh it's a an unofficial concept album about pain physical or otherwise that's a i didn't really take that uh too seriously at first because that's such a vague terminology like oh it's an album about pain like okay and uh fine fucking Ram- the ramp album is an album about funk like it, <laughs> that's such that's such a vague term but i think coupled with what we know about like that title dark and out of the soul and and because i'm sure sparkle horse intentionally pulled that from the term from St. John of the Cross. I'm sure that's intentional to a certain degree on this album. you give him credit to Sparkle Horse not Danger Mouse for finding it. And to Danger Mouse, I'm I'm sorry. I shouldn't exclude him. Again, I come at this a little more from the position of a Sparkle Horse fan. And I do think it's, this album really does make me think of Sparkle Horse more than Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse's production obviously should not be ignored. It's a very pivotal aspect to what makes the album great. But the emotional tone of it very much more makes me think of Sparkle Horse. But I don't know. I, I when I think Danger Mouse, I more so think of uh, what he has done production-wise dun, for dun,
1: dun, dun, dun. I remember when. I remember yeah, I remember what I'm
0: Gnarly Davidson. Gnarles Barkley and Fucking Gorillas, and most recently his production on one of my favorite albums of all time, Wide Awake by Parquet Courts. Oh, I have that on vinyl. To to transition into the final song, "Dark Night of the Soul," featuring David Lynch once more. Again, the emotional tone of this is pretty much the exact opposite of "Star <laughs> Eyes." The gloom and fear and eyes. general darkness <laughs> of this is quite palpable. Again, quite spooky. It, very spooky. It feels very much like something that. Could be in like a David Lynch film, or like in Mulholland Drive. I could see this yeah. easily fitting into something like that.
2: I'm on to David Lynch here. He's just trying to save money on his next soundtrack. That's all it was.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, I, I would. I would fucking love to hear something like this show up in a future David Lynch project of some kind. Uh, but I, I mean, like even the image. Imid- it's just this really. Really slow, drunken, almost saloony blues number, but it it is so shadowy and so I don't know. It, it feels like watching Nosferatu in a way. Yeah, Nosferatu. If Nosferatu was a a cowboy in in a fifties western, like a horror <laughs> western.
2: There's definitely if if it were to be in a David Lynch movie it's definitely some guy like sitting in the corner with his hood up being like hey kid come over here i got to tell you something
0: <laughs> Are you sure it would be I a hood i just imagine it. a gigantic jacket with a i don't know with some kind of odd hat and you can't quite see his eyes for some reason but he keeps yep. making you follow him down an impossibly long alleyway that just yep. gets darker and darker until you've officially reached the dark night of the soul. Sorry, let me try that again. The, the dark, dark night of, night of the soul.
1: soul. Oh, that is nice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then suddenly, there's a there's a tiny little dancing dwarf in a red coat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I quite like this album. For as bleak as it is, I think there's a there is a pop sensibility to a lot of the songs on here that I think a lot of people would actually dig, a lot of people would actually be able to get into.
2: Yeah, I think I think it was definitely a disservice to this album what what EMI did oh wow by just doing a horrible job of releasing this properly.
0: <laughs> the lack it created
1: emotion. the buzz, man.
0: That's it was true. a genius
1: marketing move on their part.
0: The 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 complete buffoonery that comes into creative copyright and creative law that, and that being handled by fucking record labels and the, and I think subsequently the complete lack of promotion or the lack of distribution that this album received uh, when it was finished uh, is a massive disservice to it. This deserved a better release than it got. I am glad that we do have it now though just because I, I'm very happy to listen to something this this poppy yet this uh, gloomy. Some good old fashioned sad pop. <laughs> stop. Exactly. Uh, stop. I don't like. That. I don't like that. Uh, not not quite as good, but we'll figure out something. I don't know what what were your guys's takeaway. I, I might be the one who likes it the most out of the bunch of us, but I I, I don't know. I, I'm just curious to hear. I, I enjoyed this album. All, Pretty much all the way through, I'd give it an eight out of ten in my book. Uh, your guys's thoughts?
1: I would say I enjoy this album. I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, I did. I do think it just sounds like a. Honestly, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You could have told me this was a Flaming Lips, lips project, and I wouldn't have argued with you. I think it sounds like a sad Flaming Lip, Lips album. So it's good. I like the Flaming Lips. I'd give it probably a seven and a half out of ten. The more you listen to it, the better it gets to me. But I'm probably maxed out on that. I doubt the seventh and eighth listen will make it better. I think it's probably leveled right now. Good. I was I like the production a lot. I like the uniqueness of the songs, how they changed a lot. Yeah, it, it, they did a really good job of experimenting with a bunch of different artists while still retaining some kind of album integrity as well. So it was it was a good album. Sad backstory, knowing that the two artists have committed suicide and... Yeah, I would right. I would listen again. If this shows up, I wouldn't skip any songs except for fucking Angel Harp. That sucks.
0: <laughs> Same. That's the that is the one song I think we unanimously unanimously agree. Okay, yeah, skip that one. That's not worth it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think for me, I if you're interested in production, if you are a producer, if you want to learn about it, like everyone should listen to this album. I, I oh you sure. know, they're the ear for minimalism on this and like pulling drums for just a beat or two in really good places, like just litter the album in the best possible way. Like I, I, I think they do some really cool, subtle stuff that you, as we've mentioned, like pick up on something new every single time, which is something I absolutely love Mm. from a song, like from the song writing and song structure point. I don't think there's anything here that particularly, you know, calls out to me personally, like I, um, there are only a few lyrics I had written down. I did really like the, in revenge, the first song somehow forgiveness lets the evil
0: make the laws. I thought that was a really cool. That's a fantastic lyric. Really cool lyric. I was originally going to be, I was going to cover that at a show I'm doing soon, but we just don't, I don't know, me and the guys we're covering a bunch of songs with, we didn't have the time to really like. You know, sit down and really tackle that song and give it the justice it deserved. Which Ain't is that strange. just I mean, the way? Understandably, I think if you want to do that song, it it deserves it deserves to be done right. It's a really beautiful song. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but overall, yeah, I like the album. I think I definitely had some favorites with like "Just War," "Man Who Played God," "Dark Night of the Soul," and um, I'd probably say insane lullaby i also really liked those are probably my top songs that's fair
0: insane lullaby i wasn't crazy about just because of the 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 noise factor of it yeah. was was interesting but it didn't do a hell of a lot for me but i don't know that's neither i'm a North simple therapy. man when that. the song has my name in it i like it <laughs>
2: i can under i can feel that i can feel that, <laughs> that never happens happen to, that. to me What's but up? i would i would agree with vinny of like seven seven point five out of ten
0: that's that's where I'd, cool. I'd place it. I'm I'm between an eight and a nine. It's closer to an eight than a, than a nine, but I'm I'm feeling an eight point five myself. I like that. I dig that. Radio. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Well, we gotta of creative curiosity. We gotta tell them what we're doing next time. Oh yeah, we gotta next episode. Vinny Crosaro is picking the album we're gonna listen to. Vinny, what are you thinking?
1: So I'm thinking about really digging into the Wiggles later work, when <laughs> with their struggles with heroin and uh, marital problems. No, we're we dark into, times, man.
0: We're oh, yeah, fruit salad, an yummy, album. Yummy fruit salad,
1: fruit salad. <laughs> fruit salad is the best. They actually made all of that when they were like tripping falls no. <laughs> So this album we're gonna listen to is one I've been wanting to talk about. It is, it gets better, the more I listen to it and I've listened to it a lot. It is called I Want to Meet Richard Dreyfuss by Gabriel Gunbacker.
0: I'm I'm looking forward to this. I, I mean it's going to be a good about it next it, time.
1: Your first thought will be this is stupid and ridiculous and then your second thought is going to be wow, this is actually like a, a good album on its own. And stupid your and third ridiculous. Your thought is going to be God damn it, I'm mad that I like
0: this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I there are plenty of albums and plenty of songs I love that are the stupidest fucking thing in the world. I'm a punk rock fan. Of yeah, course, a lot of the songs I love are fucking stupid.
1: Just you wait, my friend.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. Well, man, you should put that curiosity right into a crate. Uh, oh, you, oh, yeah. Get it? Because that's the name of the
1: show. (laughs) Yeah, we're done.
2: We're spiraling.
1: This sucks.